Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Going good. How are you? Oh, great. As we're recording this, I'm on vacation. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> the, the real voice comes out. Quit the niceties. How's vacation so far? <laughs> it's more of a staycation. We're doing little day trips. I know we've talked about this uh, in previous episodes, but uh, yes. it just feels... it. This actually flows very nicely into my update for this week. So I'll just roll into it. Um, with obviously like the scenario of the world that we're living in, excuse me, you need more water (laughs) (laughs) or wine, whatever, (laughs) maybe both. Um, we're, I, it's just, you know, four months, almost five months of, uh, full quarantine lifestyle and it starts to wear on you. And like your mental space, you're busy, (laughs) things are just intense. It just, it takes a lot out of you. And so I, before vacation, found this article on Zen Habits about uh, practicing how to rest. And so that's kind of been my mode of thinking uh, in preparation for vacation. And now that I'm on vacation, it's like finding these moments of space to just like turn your brain off for a minute and what's nice in the article is they give like a couple examples of different ways that you can rest and just finding like sometimes it doesn't have to be like I know myself and I prefer it to be like an entire full day where it's like I don't want to speak to people. I don't want to have anything I'm responsible for. I don't want to clean anything. I don't want to cook anything like no responsibilities. That is my day of rest. But sometimes that's not realistic or sustainable on a consistent basis and sometimes you just need like to take a break like stop doing things and I feel like because there's so much happening in the world we feel like we are like like there's something that we can always be doing but there's value in taking a minute and just like sitting on your couch and like giving yourself a chance to just sit and not do anything like not be looking at your phone just relax and yeah. it's weird to have to be reminded of those things sometimes, but I thought it was a helpful article, so we'll link to it in show notes. And uh, it's it's kind of the mode of thinking of, like, there's no pressure about plans or things. We're just kind of, like, deciding what we want to do based on the things that feel like the right thing to do in the moment. So whether that's, like, taking a quick trip to the grocery store to get a couple things, ordering takeout, or visiting a... a a store quickly to pick up a couple necessities like basic stuff or like oh let's like go out and do an activity or it feels nice to take a walk like Mm -hmm. here's here's the thing that we want to plan make it happen like just listening to those needs and kind of following up appropriately yeah like keeping it more of a flow style experience than like itineraried yeah, I, I'm going to definitely need to read this. I feel like my mantra always has been like, do something that your future self will thank you for, which like serves me well most of the time, but it also doesn't allow for rest because that for me means like preparing meals or getting mm-hmm. my workout done or getting my laundry done. It's not like to rest. It's not like restful activities. It's like to do something so I could, you know, in my mind, it's so I can rest later, but like that doesn't happen either. <laughs> so, right. uh, well, so I the, like this a lot. The nice thing about it too, is that like, there are certain things like 
for stuff because of the way my mind works, I need to put it like I have a list of like to do in my notes app right now. That's just like things that come up while I'm resting that are things that I'll eventually need to take care of. None of it is like immediate needs. Um, but it's nice because like in your mode where I'm like resting on the couch, I take a minute, like all I need sometimes is like 10 minutes just to like lay there and just be like, okay, I feel, I feel relaxed. Mm -hmm. And then you feel that like spurt of like, okay, I can do the laundry or like, let me throw something, let me just do the dishes while I'm doing this thing. And it doesn't feel like you have to do it or like Mm -hmm. you're trying to get something done so that you can rest later. You're like, I did a rest. Now I have the energy to do this thing and I'm going to rest again. It's like intermittent moments. It's that presentness that I feel like I only get when I am doing something that like forces me to be present versus allowing myself to be at rest and feel what present feels like when you're Mm -hmm. not doing something like working out makes me feel present, which is probably why I like it. But like, if I take away working out, can I still have that presentness without having the activity? Like if I recognize that the resting is really beneficial and it allows me to be like excited to to walk into whatever the next thing is and I feel like my body takes me there versus my anxiety taking me there is like Mm -hmm. such a great perspective change um so I'm excited to read this article because I have a vacay coming up and I feel like I will definitely get some good use out of it (laughs) well timed well timed absolutely absolutely what's your update I am circling back to my Noom versus my fitness pal conversation. Mm -hmm. This was like probably months ago now that this conversation started. And it's when I had signed up for both Noom, which is like a meal tracking, weight tracking, like mind tracking app. And my fitness pal, which is um, more of the same, but a little bit like different in feel, if that makes sense. It's Mm -hmm. just a little bit less like touchy-feely it's a little less warm um, but it essentially does a lot of the same things and I had stuck with Noom for a while I had made the decision to walk away from my fitness pal and stick with Noom it was an expensive um, subscription it was honestly I hate even saying it out loud it was $50 a month and I I don't do anything for $50 a month (laughs) like nothing (laughs) and Uh, But I thought that I felt so good when I was using it and I got that um, routine in and I felt like it was helping me with what my goals were, which was not necessarily to lose weight, but to feel better and have a better understanding of like how I was taking in food. And it did those things while also teaching mindfulness and teaching like eating habits and how like we can get clouded by a lot of outside things on our own personal like um, relationship with food journeys. And so Mm -hmm. I really liked that aspect of it. So I stuck with it for I think I was on it for five months, I want to say. And I lost, I think, like 12 pounds while I was on it. And it felt really good. I felt like I had a much healthier relationship with food while I was using it. But I was like, okay, I really can't keep paying (laughs) $50 a month for this app. Um, And I decided to like walk away from it, cancel my subscription to it. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) I've made a terrible decision. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I really liked it. I really, really liked it. But I was feeling like, okay, I've learned these principles. I've like ingrained these practices. I can do this. Um, and so as soon as I did it, I regretted it. And I moved over to my fitness pal and I was like really salty about the move <laughs> for a bit. And, uh, but I, I was determined to try my fitness pal, which is you can do a free version of it. They also have a $20 a month or you can do a year for 70 bucks, which is crazy town and so inexpensive compared to a lot of other apps out there. Um, and so for now I'm on the, the free version um, and I'm getting used to it. And my whole like premise for all of this is like the experiment has come full circle and I'm realizing that, if anything, apparently Noom also has a $20 a month subscription plan. And I'm going to give my fitness pal a little bit longer because I know there's like definitely a transition period <laughs> between the two. Um, but the practice of tracking what I'm doing and how I'm doing it is not nearly as fulfilling or enjoyable with my fitness pal as it was with Noom. And I want to pay attention to that and I want to like make sure I remember that so it doesn't become burdensome or unhealthy to track versus with Noom where it felt healthy and um, just like forward moving. Mm -hmm. And so taking all of those things into consideration, I think my fitness pal is great if like you don't need anything other than a tracking app and you're not looking for like support as well as a tracking system. Noom is definitely like your friend in your pocket and there's Mm -hmm. like coaches and there's groups and I didn't use any of that, but just the feeling of the app was so much more communal and so much more like we're in this for your whole body health and your whole mind health in addition to all these things that you can get while doing it. Um, And so I think like that for me is the difference. So I am doing my fitness pal. It's fine. But after you know, using Noom for a while and now switching back to my fitness pal for a little while. I, um, I think I'm going to go back to Noom, um, once I can afford it again, <laughs> but I'll do the $20 subscription plan <laughs> versus the 50. Well, what's the difference between the 50 and the 20? Because I feel like if it sounds like there's the reason that it's valuable to you is like worth the money, but I obviously like there are circumstances that certainly can make that not as valuable, but knowing how much you've gotten out of it, like out for our listeners, outside conversations that Sid and I have had about it. <laughs> um, but like, is it one of those things that's like, this is a premium, but it's worth incorporating this into my budget because of the value that you get out of it kind of a thing? I think if you are relearning how to have a relationship with food and how to be mindful and understand like what outside things can have an effect on the way you eat and Mm -hmm. who you eat with and what you're taking in, how you plan to move your body, I think that Noom is definitely worth it. I think it was such a learning practice for me and I took it seriously for a majority of the time that I was doing it. And even as I was starting to consider walking away, I was still really appreciating the lessons that were there um, and what I was getting out of it. So I think if that's what you're looking for is like how to learn how to have a healthy relationship, then um, it's, it's a great use of 
cash if you have the cash. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know what the difference is between the 20 and 50. If anything, I almost would think if I was going to guess, and I could be totally wrong, and I will make a correction if I need to, but I almost feel like the $20 a month might not include like the coach and the yeah. group aspect if I was going to guess. But um, But if you didn't use that in the first place, then like... Exactly. Like, I had no want to, like, check in with a person. And if you're a person who likes to check in with people, like, then that is there. Um, But I didn't find it helpful because I found the other content that they were sharing so helpful that I was like, okay, I can internalize this. I can journal about this. I can, like, do my work on my time. I don't really feel a need to, like, share with the group. Um, but a lot of people that I was in a group with did share a lot and it seemed to be really helpful for them to have like accountability partners in that way. So I, I would guess that that's the main difference if I was going to take a stab at it. Well, so it's a really long journey (laughs) to say that, uh, I, I am circling back. I like Noom better. (laughs) I am going to, like, finish out my commitment to my fitness pal. Not financial commitment, just, like, my personal, like, mind commitment that I feel tied to them and need to finish up. Hey, um, you got to you gotta give it a full shot before, especially something like this, because you can't just, like, open it up and be like, this either works for me or it doesn't. Like, you need to use it to really know. To know for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just want to give it its fair shot. Um, but, you know, like, when you check in with yourself, you know how you feel. So that's my update. <laughs> Amaze. Well, yeah. can't wait to hear how uh, how that turns out. I might go back to Noom and you might hear about it. <laughs> uh, okay, Bron, give it to me straight. What are we talking about today? We, today we're having another one of our fluid conversational type, uh, type not necessarily having uh, an answer to the question, but looking to kind of explore what it means to create and consume content when it can feel like things don't necessarily feel like they're truly original anymore and how uh, so often we're building off other people's ideas and inspiration and what we can do to take these like kernels of inspiration that we have and build it into something unique. And obviously Sid and I try to do this every week with the content that we're sharing uh, with you guys, because it's very much personal to our experiences and talking that out. Um, But kind of just a conversation around what that looks like and and things that have been helpful for us in that process and what that looks like. Yeah. I'm excited about this because I think for me personally, I had like a mini like mind spasm where I was like, Oh my gosh, We've been doing this for two and a half years. What if we just like suddenly run out of things to talk about? And I think there was this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, what if we're just piggybacking off of everything else? Like, are we really adding to a conversation? Are we just kind of like screaming into the void? And there was like this come together moment for you and I where we were like, okay, we reconcile that original content is impossible for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into. But like, what does that leave room for if we know that to be true? And so I'm excited to talk about where we where we got to, or where we're getting to, what we're working on. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> the, journey. the journey. All right, let's get into it. So knowing that we're kind of starting with this, is there anything really unique and original anymore? 
hard to say, but I think <laughs> people people have been thinking about things and creating things, obviously, since the dawn of time. <laughs> A lot's so, happened since the dawn of time. <laughs> but I think what's cool, like it, it's kind of like, I think about it like a web where there's like a central hub of something and like ideas shoot off of it and certain things are going to like turn into something real and awesome. Um, But I think it is nice to know that there's an extension that exists or something like an extension of something that already exists and kind of like creating this new offshoot or a tangent of something um, that becomes that new thing or that new idea based off of something that once was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think alongside that, there's this fear of copycat syndrome where you're like intentionally or accidentally making something that somebody already has out there in the world. And I think that's where there's this like delicate balance of wanting to like, like how much creativity is like spurred by your own ideas and like, what you're trying to create from your own brain and then other like I think there's like a true sense of struggle that some people have where they see something and then they like make it so that that idea is now theirs and it's Mm -hmm. like it's like the whole vanilla ice and the (laughs) oh yeah pressure queen yeah that queen yes okay (laughs) and he's like I just changed it like this much yeah it's like (laughs) do-do-do-do-do-do-do you're like is that yours though (laughs) does that make it yours (laughs) and like that whole idea can be really intense and especially for like like creatively led people Mm -hmm. where it's like in the music industry like especially in those realms and like artists and all of that stuff there's like such a strong presence of that happening where like you can accidentally like copy someone's work or like intentionally copy someone's work and be like, well, you know, like it's not copyrighted, so I'm going to make it my own. Or like these two girls are doing this podcast and I really love this idea. I'm going to do the same thing with my friends. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, they're talking about all the same things that we talk about. And it's like right. this fine line of, like, of who what pre- is who okay. did it first? Yeah. <laughs> who owns yes. it? Yes. And it's, it's like scary because I think now that we're in a space where we're creating content, it's really intimidating to think about, okay, are we citing our sources? Are we making sure that we're giving credit where credit is due? And I think that we do say like, this is where this idea started from. And this is how we feel about that idea between, you know, the two of us. Um, But it is, you, you kind of like, we're always checking ourselves and we're always like, what, like, making sure that we're not firstly suffering from copycat syndrome and and making sure that if we do have a new idea based on an idea that exists, that we take ownership of that, but also making sure that like, so we don't like dig ourselves into a hole while also really making sure that we're giving that credit. And it's, I mean, it consumes a lot of my mind. (laughs) And I think about, you know, when you talk about, I I think about like 
quotes that are attributed to like the wrong person, right? So like how many times has that happened where like a historical quote has been attributed to the exact wrong person, whether intentional or not. And you're like, that happens with ideas that happens with music. And I, I think we had a conversation like years and years ago. I was like, how do people make music without like imploding? (laughs) Cause in my mind, like that's the most stressful thing to think about is because it's music and you hear so much of it. Well, there's so only many so different many genres. Right, exactly. So I'm like, how do you create something totally new? Yet people continue to do it. And like you sample tracks and you give credit to those sampled tracks and it's your words over those tracks. So it's like, I know that there are gray areas, but it's just, it blows my mind. And I think it was this moment, like I said, where we're like, I'm in a downward spiral of like, how are we going to find stuff to talk about without taking it from someone else or are we even like in a place to do that and how do we how do we navigate that and so I think to in my mind you know there is no such thing as original content and we're just kind of like (laughs) always checking we're always like looking over our shoulder (laughs) so much I I feel like a lot of it is like stuff that we're living and that's Mm -hmm. why we're inspired and like thinking about what actually ignites that creative spark because my fear is always that it's just like this hole that's it has to dry up like there's going to be one day where Sid and I sit down to like plan out our next round of episodes and we're gonna be like there's nothing we can say but like (laughs) when you when you say that out loud you're like there's always going to be something for us to say and respond to and react to because there's literally so much happening (laughs) yeah and I feel like that's why I like pop culture because it's basically like pop culture happens and then there's a million takes on what happened Mm -hmm. and there are some takes that I like so much more than other takes and I'm like okay so pay attention to that because they didn't do the thing that they're talking about but they have an original like idea based on their own life and experience and, and mindset that then allows them to comment on it for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like, uh, the things that will keep that creativity, it's like being aware, like keeping your eyes open and pr- understanding what we're seeing and listening to and experiencing, because that's the stuff that inspires us on a daily basis. And obviously like in those moments, if you're, if it's like, you know, if I'm inspired to make bruschetta chicken, it's like probably because I saw Skinny Taste share an article about something bruschetta related. So it's mm-hmm. like, hey girl, thanks for the inspiration. Here's my dinner tonight. Right. <laughs> so true. So true. And like those moments and, and thinking about how it's like, thank you for like getting that moving. But there's also so many other ways of like how we can do it, how we can start exploring inspiration outside those realms and like what are the things that actually bring us joy? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there are things that we can do to just, like let our let our brain rest, so that it has the opportunity to like those little uh, nerve endings firing off and help us come up with new ideas. And like thinking about being in nature or by the water, meeting new people. There's so many things that can like do. I keep saying like igniting that spark, but that's so much what it feels like to me where it's like, you just need like a, a little jump start energetically to like mm-hmm. replicate that urge to stay creative and be inspired on a consistent basis. Um, because 
if you're kind of just like bogged down and like stressed about having to create something new, it feels like it's almost an impossible task. Right, right. Because it, it, and I know a lot of like creative people's jobs is that, is to come up with and like marketing people and dancers and musicians and artists and all of these people that their whole full-time plus job is to be creative and knowing that with that comes the need to allow for that creativity to happen and allow for your perspective to help mesh with an idea that might already exist and see like what beautiful things that can come out of that um and I think remembering that it's not a contest that for me has been one of the things that I constantly need to remind myself of like we are in a community we are part of a community and we can share within that community again as long as credit is given which I know has been a huge point of conversation especially especially recently and this is like my very very like baseline knowledge of what I know about TikTok which is like close to nothing (laughs) as it is but there are these black women, black girls who are creating these like viral TikTok dances and not getting any credit for what they created. And other, because of the medium that it exists in, Mm -hmm. people can just take it and they shouldn't and they continue to. And I think it's moments like that. It's like, okay, how do we, how do we have the community come together to Um, support and understand and protect each other and those ideas and those those um, whatever the creative thing was that was created how do we as a community come together to protect those things while also recognizing like we can all we can all thrive if we all um, if we all work together we can all thrive here and so like remembering it's not a contest it's not me against you it's not our podcast against another podcast like I think about Aminu Tussaud um, and Anne Friedman's shine theory. It's like, mm-hmm. if you shine, I shine. If if I lift, if I lift, you rise. And if you rise, I rise. And just mm-hmm. having that, like, collective mindset. And to me, like, that does ignite a spark to say, okay, let me not create out of fear, but let me create out of wanting to create. And let me create out of a want to build a community with other people that are also in this to create community. Um, and so just taking that like fear-based mindset out of it, which I know can probably be very difficult if your livelihood is being creative (laughs) and coming up with content. Like I'm sure fear comes into play a lot of the time, but like you said, like doing what you can to let your mind rest and step back and think differently or lean on people that are also part of your creative community. So we can all remind each other that like this create creating mentality can be collective and it can be exciting um and it can it can work for everyone it doesn't have to be like that scarcity mindset yeah I totally agree I it makes me think about um past uh event host experience for Mm -hmm. me where it was like what what new things can I like after six years of hosting events like what is new and different like how do I make this thing interesting to people um and I it there's so many things that can like can get that going and I, I think like going outside your like normal comfort zone of like reading like just exploring new art new conversations with people like 
getting on different websites and Instagrams, like hitting up the explore feed and just trying to like clicking through and just kind of like going down this rabbit hole of like new ideas that you may not have thought of and like kind of spurring it off and like picking a, a central focus and then seeing how that one idea can become a greater idea, um, I think is really fun and interesting, but it's obviously like for a content creator in some capacity, like that's the biggest challenge <laughs> mm-hmm. is not, is like you want to top yourself. And also there's that, like, I, I, for me, I've always felt like the better than, which just so everybody knows, I finally did the Enneagram test. <laughs> so I now know I'm a three thanks to, uh, Anna Voss from, um, she does Anna Parade, the brand, and she teaches a brainery class, and it was online. It was the Enneagram test, and um, she was great, but I also just took the test. I found out I'm a three, and apparently my, like, I go in the category of, like, best, I want to be the best, I want to achieve, I want to be, like, better than, which, like, sucks, but it's good to know that about yourself <laughs> when you start going, like, down some rabbit holes, but I'm sure that if that comes into play... Like, I just, I not only want to be better than who I was yesterday, but, like, who else is in this space with me that I feel like I need to be better than when actually that's not the case? Mm -hmm. And how do we, like, kind of course correct on that mindset and do something different? Yeah. So for this next phase of the conversation, we wanted to talk about an exercise that was actually really helpful for us to help us continually create new content and new in quotations. (laughs) (laughs) And so for us, it actually is a lot of it being tied to aligning it with our values. And just the conversation that Sid and I had of like, we're trying to, obviously we, as part of our planning process, we have occasional meetings where we talk through and just like kind of brainstorm a bunch of ideas and figure out what what makes sense. Um, But obviously from there's like an expansive this goes like into how we communicate on social media and things beyond that and so we were just in a space where we needed to like kind of jumpstart that process again and so uh we had opted to explore a new way to do that from more of like a branding exercise that we kind of made up on the fly um after uh doing a values-based exercises exercise using Brene's, Brene Brown's values list. And that was kind of something that came out of a workshop that we had attended with um, Elena Talks Therapy on Instagram. Um, that was our can't do it all workshop recap, if you want to go back and listen to that. Um, but I want to break down what we did in that exercise that ended up helping both Sid and I kind of get aligned on what, like this was a conversation that we had had, obviously, in the beginning days of us creating what what is now the podcast um but i think revisiting it was actually really helpful for us because after you know two and a half years there are certain things that like shift and change we were in a you know in the midst of a pandemic <laughs> just i think that sure. was like the catalyst though because it was like gosh i'm not like in my office experiencing things face to face i'm not like seeing my friends and having conversations with my friends like there was like a dry up of the place that we used to get yeah what we were going to talk about based on our interactions with the people around us and those just went away <laughs> like, yeah. fully went away like, fully and it's like <laughs> 
so here I am in my house again. <laughs> and we could only talk about like what we were doing during quarantine for so long before like that would not be enjoyable for anybody anymore. And so there was this like that fear like hit me like a ton of bricks where I was like, oh my God, like what if we're nothing without being out in the world? <laughs> like That's terrifying. And that it was really scary. So this exercise was like hugely helpful. Yeah. So from a, like step one, we pulled the values list out um, and we both reviewed it separately, like solo review of the list of different types of values. So it's everything. It was like an alphabetical order list. There's probably like, I don't know, a hundred on the paper. There's so many. Yeah, There were a lot. <laughs> what felt like a hundred. Yeah. And so we just did a scan through and picked the ones that we felt resonated with our brand. Uh, like every single individually. one. Individually. Yeah. yeah. As many as we could think of. We just like checkmarked it, circled it, wrote it down, whatever. Then compared both of our lists to identify which of those values we both had listed and pulled that into a smaller cold list. And then grouped some of the... Because the the other thing is that there's like certain values that are listed that are like kind of similar where it's like community and friendship and like, so there's a list of things that it kind of are like similarly sectioned off. And so we kind of, we took that group of similar themes to be like, okay, well in this like community chunk, which one feels more realistic to the ones that we are. And so we refined this to a top three to five list that best represented our brand. And I think, um, it was actually really helpful for us to like kind of delineate those like really similarly worded ones where it's like, are we authentic or are we honest? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was, uh, it was such a fun practice. Like I felt like the light like came back into my eyeballs again. Honestly, it was one of those things where I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to do. And I know that there's, a lot of like funny tweets going around about like how group projects suck based on like how we've handled this pandemic, but (laughs) that are funny, but this is why I like group projects. Like I am a group project type of gal when it comes to like brainstorm activities and ways to like pull out the best in the person next to you, especially if they're so different than you. And I thought Mm -hmm. what was so fun about this process is like from the beginning, we've always said, and we've known this about our friendship for as long as we've been friends, that we operate fairly different as far as how we take things on, how we communicate things, how we do stuff. But to come together on this and have had, um, such a fun process to like just look at each other and be like what do we think queen speaking is like just down to its bones like at the end of the day what is it and to be so on the same page about that and then to see the the differences that we had too like mm-hmm. what i what we each pulled that the other didn't pull or what we gravitated toward when we started to pare down the list it was like a fun exercise and not just coming up with how to identify ourselves and our brand, but also like, okay, if this is important to you, like, do we, how do we incorporate more of that into what we're talking about? And like, if this Mm -hmm. is something that you're excited about, like, let's talk about that. And so it was just such a fun, like, it was such a fulfilling day to do this. And it did not take long. Like we were hanging out that day, but this, this whole activity from start to finish probably took like less than half an hour. <laughs> yes, 100%. And I think what was cool too is that when there were moments where it was like, oh, why'd you pick that? Like it was actually kind of cool to hear like 
want either of us explain like what what we meant by that and like to actually have the conversation to be like I like that but not that and like Mm -hmm. come together in that way um which was really cool and so what what came of the this discussion for us was like we kind of came with like this umbrella perspective and then building on like these core brand values for us and kind of mapping our content plan moving forward to align our posts, our episode topics, the things that we care about and the things that we're paying attention to, to these core, four core values that we have. And it makes it so much easier to feel like we're creating something that actually like feels very natural to us versus like, I'm just trying to be smart about this thing that I should be talking about. Right. And, um, and I think it was necessary for us again, like it's something that you should probably revisit from time to time, depending on like whether it's like personal stuff that you're working on, or if you have a full-time job or a business or something that you're doing on a creative basis or a side gig, um, it's good to kind of remind yourself of like, what am I trying to achieve here? And what are these things coming up in a way that feels very comfortable and natural for me? And because I think that's where it becomes important for us to be thinking about what actually is like true and authentic content is people can see through that in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. And so if you're just trying to like make something to make something, that's not like people don't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They want to see you in it. And I think that came up a lot with, um, brands and, you know, influencers. I like cringe at that word, but I know that's what people are called. But, um, at influencers, when the Black Lives Matter movement was re-sparked recently, was people were looking to these people that they follow to say, like, where do you stand on this? Like, where are you at? This is, you can't just keep putting out, you know, your recipes or your outfits without talking to, like, what's happening in our world. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to hear your voice along with, why we started following you in the first place. And I think that's where your voice becomes really important. And that's why yes. having a point of view, like this practice allowed us to have a point of view to take ownership of what we're putting out there, but also like empowered us to share our voices in a, in a more, in a more authentic way, I would say, mm-hmm. um, and learn how to do that. And I know that doesn't necessarily come naturally, especially if the space is new to you or the conversation is new for you. Um, but I think this practice is, is so helpful in saying like, okay, if something major is happening around you, how do you look at your brand and say, does my brand allow me to have an authentic voice in this space and be Mm -hmm. honest about where I'm at? And if the answer is no, I think you're right. Brianna, that there's this moment where you have to like really step back and check yourself is like, why am I doing this again? Like, why am I here? What am I doing? (laughs) And those questions are super important because you can get on like the, the belt of just go, go, go and forget why you even got there in the first place. Oh yeah. That's like a full on life lesson right there. Oh yeah. (laughs) Been there (laughs) a time or two. Oh man. So should we share did we we didn't share our, our POV slash brand values, did we? Our brand values for uh <laughs> those who are curious are balance, joy, growth, and belonging. Love it. I feel like 
It's a holistic picture of Sid and I combined as one person. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> and also the, also the things that uh, take up our space in the world of like, these are the things that we want to be talking about, be working towards, have as fulfilling moments in our life, the things that we want to create for our community. Um, so valuable. Yes. And I, I values mean, I, are valuable. Values <laughs> tend to be valuable. I mean, who knew? <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> but it's like, I really, I felt so good when we wrote those down and like owned them because they are exactly what we stand for. And so, because sometimes people will be like, so what's your podcast about? And I'll like rattle off a few of the episode titles and like hope that that's enough. Because I think for so long, I was like, what, like, what do we, what do we, I'm like, you know, we're early thirties, we work around stuff, we do stuff places, and that's what we talk about. (laughs) And that was so not helpful to anybody who gave an SHIT about (laughs) what we were doing. So this gives us an opportunity, like, these are the things that we value and believe in, and here are some examples of how we brought those values to life through what we're putting out into the world. And that sense of community has obviously always been like what we what we built this on. But I know that we both value that community so much. We value all of our listeners. We value the community that we live in and work in. And so that also had to be such a strong part of what we were um, focused on as well. Because I think we wouldn't be doing any of this without our community. And we wouldn't want to do any of this without our community. Um, so I was super excited when we came together and made these happen. You know, I love a workshop exercise moment. Same. <laughs> I was like, here's an idea. <laughs> that was such a great idea. That was such a great idea. And I like, I think that there's ways to do this. So like, if you do that and you think about, okay, like who else do I admire? Cause I was thinking about how business leaders also like step outside their industry and see how maybe different industries are do or tackling a problem and maybe then you apply the way that they're doing it just to see if it works like just to like kind of throw spaghetti at the wall and I remember we did a workshop that you also spoke at um for when I was working in fundraising where I had four um people from the community come and talk to our group about like how they build community like how they build that um that sense of people coming back to you. And mm-hmm. I remember Danielle from the Brainery was talking about how many people she gets back and what her age range is and how many different types of people are in and out of her doors. And our, at the time, VP of enrollment was like blown away. He was like, you're telling me that you have this range of ages and you have this many different types of people. He's like, how, how do you do that? And it was because of what she was offering was not so huge that it pulled everybody in, but it was so accessible that it pulled so many people in. And so Mm -hmm. from his perspective as an enrollment person, he was like, how do we do that? How do we take what you've done and captured and do it for enrollment for prospective students? And I love that because it was like this moment where you're like, you can see how when you build values and believe in values that connect to other people, you invite people in to be part Mm -hmm. of what you're building. It doesn't have to be exclusive. It can truly be about the community. So I just, I think about that all the time and how cool that was. (laughs) If I've gotten a little off track. (laughs) 
That feels like decades ago. It does. It was years ago. It's crazy town. Crazy. Um, so there was one more thing I wanted to share <laughs> about, uh, about like how you find your lane too. And so there was a Lauren letter from Career Contessa. Lauren is the CEO of Career Contessa. And she was being very honest about like what her challenges have been during COVID and what like they presented to her team. And I really appreciated it. And I responded to her saying like, thank you so much for sharing this. I'm sure many people will appreciate it. And she got right back to me and she was like, I figured out what we needed to do and how we needed to do it by reading this book called Content Inc. And it's by Joe Polizzi. And she said that the encouragement from the book was to like find your lane and like stick Mm -hmm. to it, like find your medium and find your like your way of sharing your information for her. It's, it's a digital platform and it is around career advice and growth. And when she dialed into that, she said that everything became very clear. And I feel like that was go, that goes along so much with what we're talking about, because I think that's what we did with this practice is like, we picked Mm -hmm. our lane, we picked our medium and we picked what we're sharing and how we're sharing it. And that after this, um, exercise that we did, it just became so clear. And like, that was the best gift that I think we had given ourselves in a while. Yeah. And I, there's something that often comes up in conversations I have just because of the nature of the work that I do, where it's like, you can't be the same thing to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not realistic. And you can't be something for everyone either. Like focus in, pick your lane, like you said, because that's the thing that's going to get you to the direction like everything will just feel natural and comfortable and will also like reap greater benefits if you have a focus to the work that you're doing absolutely absolutely and that's a hard thing to like decide to because I think in the beginning of the podcast I was like let's be everything to everybody like we can do that and you're very quickly because like your marketing brain kicked into high gear and you were like that's impossible (laughs) we can't do that and I think it took me until we put arms around it in this way to really understand like that doesn't mean be exclusive but it also means like find your voice and you can't be everyone's voice you're not going to be for everyone not everybody's going to like you not everybody's going to want to be like you know doing what you're doing and that's okay and I think I was so scared of that not being okay mm-hmm. and so doing this was so helpful and being like okay like we are who we are and put like a stake in the ground for it was an exciting thing to do I'm so glad it was because <laughs> now we get to share with the world Yes. And this is you. You did this. I was so impressed because that was such a great idea. And you came up with it based on that values list, based on what we talked about with Elena. And it just created such a fun project and something that I think a lot of people could get a lot out of. So kudos to you for coming up with it. Thanks. Maybe we'll all structure it into something that people could download eventually. But in the meantime, listen to the episode. Let us know how those four <laughs> steps work for you. It's very easy. <laughs> very easy. We'll we'll share the um, list of values in the show notes. Queenspeaking.com slash 130. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, let us know if you're working on a project that this is helpful. Or honestly, I find this really helpful just like as a personal 
project for yourself to like align your values or with your partner or with your friends. Mm -hmm. If you're like working on some stuff and you want to just like see where you land and see like not maybe what your personal brand is and just and do this practice to kind of find that out too. I think this would be really helpful for that too. 100%. Shall we break? Let's break. <laughs> 